This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. So like in 10 days, right? It's Ash Wednesday. Uh, for those of us who grew up in the church, we know that's that time where we're going to be pointing toward Easter Sunday, Good Friday, and, and Easter Sunday. And, and maybe for those of us who, who haven't grown up in the church, and maybe who have too, right before Ash Wednesday, right, is Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras, right? And, and if we were living in New Orleans, we would be anticipating this amazing big blown out parade on Mardi Gras where people would parade up and down Bourbon Street and, and there'd be drinking and dancing and, and people would be doing a lot of things that they wouldn't normally do. Right? And, and part of that whole parade thing too are beads and masks and, and it's the mass part that we want to talk about this morning. See, a, a lot of us, a lot of people hide behind their mask. Maybe it's the mask of accomplishment or the mask of position or status, failing to realize that those things can change in a heartbeat. And if they don't change in a heartbeat, they're going to change sooner rather than later to begin with. Uh, a lot of times we wear masks. People ask us, how are you? And we're going, we're fine. You know, uh, but, but we're not fine. We're filled with animosity, maybe. We're filled with concern. Uh, we're filled with insecurity, uh, fear, what have you, you know? And, and you know where uh, people wear masks a whole lot? It's like almost every time people get together in this place, they got a mask on. It's at church, right? Uh, greet you and you greet me. How are you doing? Great. How are you doing? Great. Yeah, sometimes it's true. I hope it's true, right? But sometimes it's just a lie, right? It is just a lie. So let's be real. Wearing a mask is nothing new to our day. It's been going on for a long time. In fact, this morning, I want to share with you what I think is a really fascinating epic from inside of the scriptures uh, that are going to lead us to see a mask that was worn, a mask that some of us wear uh, as well, okay? And so this story that I'm going to share with you is, is the account of the prophets of Baal and Elijah, the prophet of God. And at the time, the, there were these two groups, the followers of the Baal God and the followers of Elijah's God. And there was this conflict going on because they both said they were right. They both said they had the true God. And so the prophets of Baal and Elijah the prophet, they got together and they said, let's just decide this once and for all, who the true God is. And whoever the true God is, that's where we're going. That's who we're going to worship. And if anybody doesn't want to worship the true God, well, then they deserve to die, okay? Because they are just leading people astray. So they decide they're going to duel it out. And they're going to duel it out this way. Each one is going to build an altar to their God. They're going to place a bull offering on the altar. And whichever God consumes that bull offering is going to be the true God. And that's who everybody is to worship. Okay? And so the prophets of Baal go first. And they build their wooden altar. And they place the bull on top of, uh, of the altar and they began to pray to Baal. 
and their prayerful minute turns into a, a prayerful 10 minutes, and it turns into 15 minutes, turns into a half hour, an hour, and nothing is happening. Okay, and, and that hour of prayer turns into two hours and three hours of prayer and still absolutely nothing is happening. And then Elijah talks to those prophets of Baal and, and shares with them in a, a moment of great sarcasm that I'll be honest, I relate to way too much. All right, way too much. Uh, Elijah tells the prophets of Baal as it prayed, hey guys, I know, yell louder. Yell louder, shout louder, get his attention. You know, maybe he's busy. Maybe he's on a journey or something, you know. Maybe he's sleeping. Just yell louder, and I'm sure you'll get his attention. And so they do. They start yelling louder and louder. They're just getting all super intense into this. There's nothing going on. They start to cut themselves, all right? And nothing happens. Because you see, Baal is an idol. And I don't know if you know what the word idol means. The word idol means good for nothing, okay? And so the the prophets of Baal have struck out swinging, okay? But now it's Elijah's turn, right? Because just because the prophets of Baal, Baal proved not to be the true God, that's not saying that Elijah's God is the true God. So Elijah gathers up some stones, uh, grabs some wood, makes an altar, offers the bull on top of that altar. And then he tells his followers, hey guys, there's like four jars over there. Go fill them up with water and pour them over the bull and the altar and the rocks and all that. And they go off and and they grab these four jars, fill them up with water and pour it all over the place, all over that altar and everything. And then Elijah looks at it and goes, hey guys, you know, let's do it again, okay? Go fill the jars up again and pour the water over the sacrifice and everything again. And so they did. And, and then Elijah, you know, like a little kid goes, one more time, one more time, right? Just one more time. And so they did it and they, they poured the water again. So 12 jars of water. There's water all over the place, okay? This, this offering is soaked in water. And then Elijah prays. And he prays to God and he says, Lord, reveal your glory so that they may follow you. Man, I I love that. Reveal your glory, not because it it makes me look good. Reveal your glory so that they may follow you. And right away, God comes down in a majestic, splendid, glorious display of almighty power. The the bull offering is consumed. The the wooden altar is consumed. There is no water left. Not only is there no water left, the rocks are gone as well. And the people all shouted, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. And the prophets of Baal didn't want to worship the true God. And they were put to death. Right after that, Right after Elijah has seen this amazing display of God's glory, right after he was an eyewitness to this epic event, right after that glass ceiling being broken, this is what happens. Now Ahab, the king, told Jezebel, the queen, everything Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, 
If by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Wow. Prophet of God, and his life is full of problems? Really? The the prophet of God, and he's afraid and he's fearful after he's seen this amazing display of God's glory. Wow, the, the prophet of God, depressed, severely depressed, praying to die. And we, we all suffer through different and difficult seasons and times in our lives. And sometimes when that happens, we put on a mask, right? And we pretend it's okay. We give the impression everything's going great, but inwardly we know that's not the case. Sometimes maybe for for some of us, uh, we've fallen into depression like Elijah did. And you know, sometimes depression can be so bad that it can actually change a person's facial appearance, and it's called a depression mask. And sometimes a a person can be so depressed that they can pray like Elijah did. Lord, I'm done. Take my life. Do you know anyone like that? See what? It sounds a lot like, you know, as I look at the media and stuff like that, it sounds a, a lot like pop singers who make millions, maybe even hundred millions of dollars, have thousands, maybe even hundred thousands and millions of followers. And yet there's an emptiness inside. They're, they're not content, not satisfied. You know what? It sounds like a, a young mom who's eyeball high in diapers and kids' sicknesses. It sounds like the, the man of the family who wants to provide for his family in, in a great way. And he's wishing that the, the financial arrow would go up and to the right. But so much of the time, it's staying stagnant in the center. And sometimes even worse, it's going down and to the left. You, you know what it sounds like? It, it sounds like the, uh, the millennial, the, the Gen X, the, the 20s and 30s and younger, you know, high schoolers too that are, What's the meaning of life? It doesn't make sense. There's all these social media comments and just getting confused, trying to figure out which one is right. Someone's saying this, someone's saying that, but I have to look like this for that and them. And it's just tough. You know what it it sounds like? It it sounds like uh, an elderly person who can remember the glory days, but now they're pretty lonely and all alone. Do you know anyone like that? I do. I was that person. When we went from our first position in the pastoral ministry to our second one, I fell into depression. And things were going to get worse before they got better. 
our church had a school connected with it. And, and so some of what that meant was that we would have this confirmation thing where we would train the young people in the truths of scripture. We'd have that in the mornings. Mornings were horrible for me. And I remember showing up for class one day and one of the students looking at me and go, you look funny today. That was the depression mask. And there would be ups and downs and, and things would actually get much worse. After a few years, we, we took another pastoral assignment where I could use the gifts that God had given me in, in a better way. And uh, for me, what that meant then was at this congregation, I was the evangelism pastor, the outreach pastor. And at every Sunday in this congregation, we averaged 150 guests. That's pretty good, okay? I was going to say that's pretty good. It's not great, maybe, but that's pretty good. And so that was exciting. That was invigorating. And, and in the process or alongside of all that as well, I was in a doctorate program and, and the classes were so cool. I was learning so much. And every time a major project was due, after I completed the major project, I just crashed. I just crashed. The easy things to do became super, super difficult. I can remember one Christmas time finishing up a major project and we went to a basketball game uh, that night and I was so physically unsteady and uncoordinated, I was afraid I was going to fall just walking up the bleachers. It was tough. And there were the ups and downs and the roller coasters and, and all of that. And then, and then our daughter got sick with cancer. And my mind went to fear, right? Big on fear. Elijah ran away because he was afraid. Big on fear. And while all that's going on and, and everything, you know, the, the voice inside of me is going, you're a piece of you-know-what dad. You didn't keep that sickness from your daughter. You're pathetic. And things would continue to go on. And, and our daughter got worse. And the doctor said, we're done. But as many of you know, God said, it's okay, because I'm not done. And he gave us this amazing miracle, kept her alive. And now, pretty much when you see Alyssa, you have no idea that she had cancer. And so I had this uh, wonderful mountaintop experience of new life with my daughter. And I'd come home from church around 5 o'clock at night. To, to grab something to eat, to go back uh, for the meetings later on. When I get home at five, I'd go right to the bedroom and just crawl into bed and wait to hear Jackie say supper's ready. And I'd eat and I'd go back for the meetings at night. There were so many times when I got home and got into that bed at five in the afternoon and I would just say a lot like, I'm done, I've had enough. God, take my life. By God's grace... That's where I was. I, I'm not there today. But I want you to know that if you're there or someone is there, uh, I happen to know a guy who might be able to help out. Let's be real. Life can be difficult in this journey, this side of heaven. There are times of animosity, there are times of boredom, there's times of confusion, there's times of depression, there's times of shattered dream, there's times of 
fear. There's times of guilt. There's times of grief. There's times of insecurity. There's times of pride. That's the sin that Elijah had as well, pride. There's times of rejection and and other kinds of sins besides pride and everything. It's just a zillion and one things. And Satan deludes every single person, whether they're a believer in God or not, to think that they're the only ones. That no one will understand that you got to keep this quiet because you're going to be a freak and everybody's going to know it. No one will understand. Your friends won't understand. Your parents won't understand. God doesn't understand. You're just stuck. I know someone besides Elijah, besides me, and maybe besides you, if you're going through a difficult time, who had a very difficult time in life. You want to know his name? Well, I guess it doesn't matter whether you want to know it or not, because I'm going to tell you. (laughs) His name is Jesus. Check it out. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here. And keep watch with me. I think he understands. He knows. And when Jesus was down in the depths, he did two really cool things. He talked to God, prayer, and he talked to his friends, Peter, James, and John. Prayer, when you and I go to God in prayer, that's so awesome. We're we're, we're admitting, God, I can't do this, but you can but you can't. Prayer is so cool because when we're praying, what we are saying is no to other things and yes to God in prayer. We're going to have a whole teaching on that coming up in a handful of weeks. See, some of us need to get a whole lot better at saying no to things and people and yes to God. And Jesus also told his friends, Peter, James, and John, and that's important for us too. And that's why this morning, it's just, this is just God timing, right? Later today, during our offering, we're going to announce that we're starting some new small groups. Places where you can connect with people in a small, safe group. Where in time, you can build that relationship. Be yourself. Share yourself. Have God's word shared with you and receive the encouragement from God's word from friends and the transformation that occurs from that. And so as we show those small groups coming up here in just a few minutes, I want you to say, is, is that a group for me? Is that a group for me? And if not, we'll find you one. See, Jesus doesn't just leave us with the diagnosis. Life is tough, and it is. Jesus gives us the remedy, and Jesus is the remedy. See, Jesus made you, and he paid for you. This is what happens in baptism. Aiden was just baptized a few minutes ago from, from a book in the Bible called Galatians. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. See, in baptism, a, a person isn't masked. They're brought to faith. 
and they're covered and clothed with Jesus Christ. His righteousness, his perfection, his integrity, his character, his status, his position, his perfection. You see, while it's true that that sin in difficult times may be trying to tie us up and enslave us, while while it may be true that depression is trying to crush us, remember, Jesus is always holding you. In the difficult times in life, in every stage of life, let's be real with that, that Jesus is holding you no matter what. Let's pray. Lord God, as, as we come to you, uh, man, you know, all of us, uh, we're at different places. We, we lean on different things to try and get our worth and our identity and, and you know, our position and our status. And, and, and all those things, unless they're you, fade away, uh, shrink down, um, just kind of blow back and forth. Jesus, we need you. And Jesus, we know that you've promised, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I'm with you always. Holy Spirit, remind us every day and in every way and in every situation of that truth that Jesus is with us and that he is holding us. While it's true, Lord, sometimes in this sinful world, we will face incredibly difficult circumstances. It is also true that none of these circumstances are greater or better than you. In your name, we pray and ask you to help us to be real about that. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, And to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.